Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning and a time of worship and a time to look into the Word of God. I feel like God has went before the message of the of the hour <clears throat> pretty well. Jeff asked me if I had anything that I wanted him to read, and I said, I think the Lord's doing a pretty good job. You just go right ahead. <clears throat> How many of you remember Jeff's message from Sunday? I'm sure Jeff knows. Yeah, yep, he remembers. That's good. Anyone else? Leaning towards the second coming of Christ. And some of the, the thoughts that come to my mind as I thought about that message are actually what I want to present uh, as a message this morning. <clears throat> and I would start with a question, have you ever questioned your salvation? And what I mean by that is I can remember as a, a young person before I invited Jesus into my heart, <clears throat> You know, the thought of Jesus' second coming did not bring peace. It didn't bring excitement. It would bring fear. And I'm sure that that is that way for most people. But I can also remember the first time when I thought about the second coming of Christ there was a healthy anticipation and even excitement. And so that's what I would like for each of us to have as we think about Jeff's message and the second coming of our Lord and Saviors. Do you have a peace? Are you assured of your salvation? Can we be assured of our salvation? <clears throat> I have to admit I was a Christian for, for quite a while before I felt like I was assured of my salvation. Part of that, well actually I, I got to say most of that or all of that is my own fault. And it's really, it really stems from not digging into the Word of God, not looking for the promises that He's made for, the, for, for us so that we can know that we have assurance of salvation. And I also believe that God wants us to be assured of our salvation. He does not want us to wonder if we've done too many bad things to make it to heaven or have we done enough good things to make it to heaven. God wants us to be assured that we have salvation. There, We will talk about some uh, parameters and things that God has asked us to do, but we can certainly be assured of God's salvation. And as as you study the Word of God about this topic, you will find that the rich promises in God's Word will bring peace, they will bring joy, and they will bring a healthy anticipation of His second coming. I want to start I believe with 1 John 5, verse 13. 
I do have a lot of scriptures this morning, um, but I feel like God word, God's Word says it the best when we're talking about having an assurance of salvation. 1 John 5.13 These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that he that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The first thing I want to point out in this verse is the word know. In the I guess it would kind of be the second line, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. That's not any kind of guesswork. That is an absolute knowing that Jesus Christ has died for me and I have asked Him to be my Savior. So therefore, I know that I'm going to heaven. And the second part of that is, ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And one of the, one of the things that helps you have an assurance of salvation is when you accept Jesus as your personal Savior. You know, we read in the Bible that God, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And you most likely know the rest of it. But sometimes we need to say, for God so loved Andy. Because that makes it personal. You know, sometimes you need to put your name in there where it says the world. And then you start to realize the love that your Savior has for you, that even if it was only you that was a sinner, He would have went to the cross and died for you. And then when you start to realize that, you realize you can put your trust in Him. And you're well on your way to knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior and you, you will assuredly one day be with Him in heaven <clears throat> when that second coming happens or if you pass away first and are re resurrected from the dead. <clears throat> Seems like the older I get, the more the more emotional I get when I think about what my Savior has done for me. <clears throat> I'd like to also turn to <clears throat> 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. through 8.
2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6-8. At first I thought I had the wrong one, but I do have the right one. For I know now ready, for I am now ready to be, to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but, to, but unto all them also that love his appearing. How doubtful was Paul about his salvation? As I read the Scripture, he wasn't in the least bit doubtful. And so a couple of other questions as I think about this passage here, these few verses, is was he wrong? I don't think so. It's in the it's in the Word of God. There, there's nothing that's wrong in the Word of God. So my next question would be, can you and I be that assured of our salvation? And I believe we can. I believe that's one of the reasons this is here. So that we can be assured that one day when we pass from this life, we can have that reward that Paul was talking about. First John five ten. He that believeth on the Son of God hath hath the witness in himself that he believeth not. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave his Son. Kind of starting to get into the the part of our salvation where God asks certain things of us. God's promise of salvation is not unconditional. It is conditional. His love is unconditional. But God asks certain things of us. When we, uh, when we accept Him as our Savior and decide to follow Christ, there are certain things that He asks us to do. And if you read in John, let's let's turn to John one, twelve, and another scripture. If you want to write it down or look it up, I'm not going to turn to it. Is John three, thirty six? But we're going to turn to John one, twelve. But as many as received Him to them gave He power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. So one of the first things that we need to do is to believe and receive Christ as our Savior. 
This is, this is the first thing that God asks us to do, is to believe and receive Christ as our Savior. Turn to the next one, and that is Acts 2, 38. Acts 2, 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So the second thing he asks us to do is to, re to repent and to be baptized. And 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so here we see in, in verse 9 here, in the first part it says, we need to confess our sins. The best part of the verse though, is that God is faithful. He's faithful to forgive us of some of our sins, all of our sins. We don't have to worry. We don't have to wonder. If we're faithful to confess, God said, if we are confessing, God is faithful to forgive, and we don't have to wonder. The next uh, verse I want to look at is James 4 17. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The reason I put this here is because God, God does not want us to feel safe in our sin. There are, there is a, a I'm going to call it a theory that is in the world for sure and also in some churches that It'll be okay, you know. You don't have to. You don't have to do exactly everything. Um, you know, you just, just believe and be baptized. That's it. And that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says that God does not want us to live in sin. And if we know to do good and do it not, it is sin. Ephesians 1, 4 through 6. Ephesians 1, 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of Jesus 
Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Actually, I was going to stop at verse 6. Some have used verse 5 as to say that once you're saved, you're always saved. Or you're predestined. We don't have a choice. It's not how I read it. That is God telling us that it is His will that all should be saved. Not all will, but all He wants everyone to be saved. Some of us, or some of the world, have rejected Christ. And I believe that's why that's in there. Verse 4 says that He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. I believe I heard, I believe it was uh, Paul Skiles. God doesn't need you. He wants you. Even in the sad state that we as humans are, God wants you. He doesn't need you. He wants you. He loves you. Second Thessalonians 3. But the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Again here, God is faithful. And the reason that I put this here is because of the next uh, portion that I want to talk about. And it, it's just a kind of a gauge that we can look at. And in 1 John, there are some verses that I'm just, I'm just, I'm not going to turn to them. I'm just going to give the references to you. Um, these are some things that we can use to uh, test that we can apply to our lives that will help us give assurance that we ha have our salvation taken care of. First um, John one seven, walking in light. First John two three, keeping his commandments. First John two six walking like Christ. 1 John 2.15, not loving the world. 1 John 3.6-9, not living in sin. 1 John 3.14, loving our brethren. Sometimes it seems like we struggle with that one a little bit. 1 John 4, I'm sorry, 1 John 5, verse 4, overcoming the world. And I would just say, if, if you do the studies on those verses and you lack any, repent and conform your life to His Word. I want to close with three, three references. The first one is John 10, 
verses 27 and 28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I don't know how to make that better. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. An incredible promise by Jesus Christ our Savior. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. Blessed be God, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. And the last one is Jude 24 and 25. Verses 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And so my conclusion with assurance of salvation as I've studied this is if we're not sure, it's my fault. If you're not sure, it's your fault. Because God's Word is very clear on whether or not we can be assured of our salvation. Yes, there are things that we need to do, steps that we need to take. And I would encourage you, if you haven't taken those steps, to take those steps. Talk to someone if you need to. If you need to talk to me, I'm willing to talk to you. But let there be excitement like Jeff said last Sunday. When you think about the second coming of Christ, let there be excitement. Let there be assurance that you have your salvation taken care of.